This is episode 22 of Cinescope, and... Adrian! Welcome to Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today is Patrick Hicks to talk about one of our favorite films, Rocky. Patrick, how are you doing tonight? Man, I'm good. It's good to be here. Finally, a chance to hang out and talk about this great film. Yeah, this is an episode that we've been trying to make for about a month now. And uh, (laughs) my schedule got crazy and your schedule got crazy. And you left the country for a week or two. And I left the country for a week or two. And this is it. I think it actually works out for the better because the timing of this episode and its release really sort of fits in with the, the content of the movie. So absolutely. Absolutely. When you uh, when you mentioned when uh, when this episode was going to drop in context to the movie we're actually talking about i'm going this is this is perfection this was this was what was supposed to happen (laughs) right it it was meant to be (laughs) so how about you tell us about who you are and what you do yeah so uh like i said my name is patrick hicks but i go by patch most of my friends call me patch and i co-host a podcast called feel and film with my buddy aaron and it's primarily designed to uh, it's a, it's essentially a podcast that we talk about movies and we talk about the emotional takeaway that we get from it, focusing less on the technical stuff and more on just kind of what people go to movies for. And that's to be entertained. And uh, we've been doing that since about April. It got kicked off with the uh, Batman v Superman controversy and all of its love hate <laughs> that it that it received. I just got that movie on Blu-ray, the ultimate edition for Christmas, and I, I have not watched it. So I'm looking forward to, <laughs> for that being my first experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it because uh, it's definitely a, a divisive or at least a conversation starter. <laughs> so we've been doing that since April. And um, outside of that, I am um, an e-learning developer. I'm a designer I try to make courseware great again <laughs> because in the in the world that I live in, uh, particularly with the military, uh, who are our primary clients, uh, courseware can be pretty boring. And so I'm trying to help kind of remedy that by crafting creative stories within e-learning environments for students in the military field. Very cool. And you mentioned you are from the Feel and Film podcast. And of course, we had Aaron on to talk about Blade Runner way back in like episode five, I think. And I've been on your show once to talk with Aaron again about Doctor Strange. And so now it's great to finally be having a conversation with you about a movie. Yes, yes. When you asked me um, to be on, I was ecstatic. I was like, oh, I was waiting for him to call. Like I, was, <laughs> I was like that high school girl that was waiting that for that boy to call her and say, hey, so I'm really excited to be on. Yes, our podcast's approach to film criticism is sort of similar. In fact, when I first sort of came up with the idea of Cinescope and I was talking to another friend, um, Mikey Fissel, about the idea, he said, you know, it's a great idea, Chad, but it sort of sounds similar to this other podcast that my friends are running. And so I, I talked <laughs> with Aaron then and we worked it out and it was like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with more positivity in the world, so we'll go for it. And so <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be talking with somebody else who has the same sort of mindset of celebrating movies rather than just tearing them down. For sure. For sure. I mean, we go to movies because we want to enjoy them. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that go to movies expecting it to be kind of crappy. So not at all. Why not? Why not embrace what people go to movies for? You know, it's it's definitely not to expend like forty dollars on popcorn. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, before we dive into the movie, I laid off the review subscribe spiel for a couple weeks for the holiday season. But now it's almost a new year, at least. And just want to remind everybody. Please, if you like the show, if you want to support the show, drop by iTunes if you haven't already, rate it, review it, share it with your friends. And if you feel so inclined, subscribe. Even if you don't use iTunes as your primary podcast provider, subscribing is a big boost to the show. So if you want to support the show, that would be a great way to do it. And I would definitely appreciate it. And with that, Patrick, are you ready to talk about Rocky? I am so ready. Excellent. Let's dive into the stats. So it was released on December 3rd of 1976. So we just celebrated its 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was directed by John G. Avildsen, who directed The Karate Kid, The Karate Kid Part 2, and The Karate Kid Part 3, 
as well as Lean on Me, and he also directed Rocky V and Inferno. Now, the screenplay was written by Sylvester Stallone, and the music was by Bill Conti, who also composed the scores for Rocky 2 through 3 and 5, and Rocky Balboa, and then Bad Boys, the Karate Kid films 1 through 3, Rookie of the Year, and also Inferno. So he's sort of attached to Avildsen as a director. Yeah, which I think is kind of normal when you have a, a director, you usually have a corresponding composer that sticks with him. Right, and I don't know the Karate Kid scores particularly well, but I've never noticed him as a problem, and he definitely does a good job here with the Rocky films as well. Mm-hmm. That's for sure, that's for sure. I love Bill Conti. Me too. Uh, this movie stars Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, and Tony Burton. So, Patrick, what was your first experience with this movie? What do you remember about the first time you watched it, if anything? <laughs> well, I grew up as a child of the 80s, and so my actual first experience with this movie was not in its succession. It was actually Rocky III. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember going to see this this movie that had Mr. T in it and Hulk Hogan and this guy named Rocky. I don't know who this was. And I was just enthralled with all the the you know, the big music, Eye of the Tiger, and the big fight sequences and stuff like that. And I was like, that's a great movie. And my dad, who um, is a, a a real influence on <laughs> exposing me to things older than myself uh, in terms of music and movies and whatnot, said, hey, have you seen, so you haven't seen the original, right? I said, there's an original? He goes, yeah, th- that three next to Rocky means there's two <laughs> other ones before it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, <laughs> so I think it was like, I think I was maybe 12 or 13 when he popped it in, we had it on VHS, and I started watching it, and I was like, this is boring. <laughs> this is very, <laughs> where's Mr. T? You know, when does, he, when does he fight this guy Apollo, or whatever the guy's name was? And I really didn't take a second look at it until college, when, for some reason, every spring, TBS or TNT, one of the cable stations, during finals week, happened to correspond with this, like, Rocky Marathon, like, one night or something, where they would show a Rocky movie every night of the week. And so I would study for my exams. Well, okay, let me, let me, let me back up. I would, you know, technically I wouldn't study. I would sit around and eat French fries and, you know, hopefully, you know, pray that I would pass my exam. But <laughs> in, in addition to that, I would watch one of the Rocky movies. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to give this a, a chance again. So my first actual like real involvement with the movie was, was in college. And I remember watching it going, you know, that's pretty good. I'm a little older. I'm, I understand it in context with the rest of the films. And then when Stallone released Rocky Balboa, it's technically the sixth movie, but I don't really consider Rocky five in that pantheon. I kind of throw that out. Right. We don't relate to, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> that relative you don't really want to acknowledge. Right. I know what you mean. So I watched that in my late twenties and I remember going, man, this is a phenomenal film. It reminded me a lot of pieces of of the first one and how it became sort of a bookend to the whole Rocky saga. And so I went and revisited Rocky again and that experience, my technically my third experience with it, I just fell in love with it. And I said, I can see why this won some Oscars. I can see why it made an impact in the, in the world of cinema. And then you start reading about the, the, the stuff behind it, how Stallone said, no, I want to be in this, you know, you, you can have, you know, he was selling the screenplay and he said, you can have the screenplay as long as I get to be in it. And just all the stuff that kind of went along with the whole character of Rocky and how it was sort of a personified version of Stallone himself. I got really enthralled with that. So over the years, as I've watched it and rewatched it with those kinds of things in mind, I have just fallen in love with that the whole saga itself. Like I just love the Rocky franchise, but in particular the first one and then being able to watch it again for this podcast, I've just pulled so much more out of it that just make me love it even more. So it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's a wonderful film, one that I connect with on a number of levels. And, uh, and yeah, it's just really good. Um, I love that you mentioned that maybe it wasn't your formative viewing, but one of your first experiences with this movie was with your father, because the Rocky franchise, to a lesser extent, maybe the Indiana Jones franchise are movies that I equate with movies that I watched with my father as a child. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I watched them all the time with my dad. It was just sometimes it would be on in the living room while he was watching TV and I'd walk in and hey, I'll sit and watch this with my dad a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so 
even though this isn't like a staple between my dad and me, it's something that I sort of just equate and think back to is watching that with my, with my dad. And, you know, probably the Rocky movie that I've seen the most, at least growing up was Rocky four, just because fighting Russia (laughs) and Drago and living in America and all that kind of stuff was really fun. (laughs) But as I've matured in my taste for movies and my love for story and character and all that stuff, Rocky and as you mentioned Rocky Balboa are really just those movies that I've locked into and taken so much away from because they are very different from a lot of the other movies in the Rocky franchise you know I've I've owned the Rocky box set for years on DVD and I, I don't really touch them all that often because outside of one and Rocky Balboa one and six they're the ones that really sort of echo sentiments that I feel sometimes you know it, it's a yeah Rocky's a character that you can really identify with in these movies particularly yeah I think you hit on something that the first and last focus more on the character of Rocky himself whereas I think the second third fourth and even fifth to an extent I mean the second third and fourth really hit on who he's fighting right you know, it's it's really it really is about that final fight i mean every film ends with the with 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 a bout of some kind and two three and four tend to elevate that moment and i think particularly with the first one and we'll get into that it it really just focuses more on the character himself and i love that balboa rocky balboa brings closure to that to his um you know there's no there's no stuff left in the basement you know for him that he you know, if I'm to quote Paul, you know, he finished the race, you know, he, he did that and he has nothing else to do. And I think as a franchise, as an audience, we were left going, good, don't do anything else. Don't taint that because that's the, that's the exclamation point for the Rocky character. And to segue a little bit to Creed, I think people might call that a cheat a little bit, but I don't think it's like Rocky seven. It's, it's really about somebody else and he takes a back seat to it. So I really think both the first and last are great bookends to a, to an incredible franchise. Creed is another movie that I just got on Blu-ray for Christmas and I haven't yet watched it. So I'm really excited, especially with revisiting the first Rocky. I'm really excited <laughs> to dive into Creed. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and talk about the story specifically of Rocky. What is it about the story that you sort of find yourself attached to? Well, early on, I think... Um, I'll confess, I'll probably be referring to the entire franchise a lot in this because I think the same themes get get echoed throughout. But this um, kind of, not really a hero's quest, but this kind of underdog Cinderella story that, that we, we, we see a lot is there. And that's kind of what attracted me to it at first. But more so, it's the elevation of a character that is not who he seems and who even deceives himself. So you have this character... Of Rocky who calls himself a bum calls himself a loser calls himself an idiot and he's compassionate he's forward-thinking he's not dumb I mean he he knows what he's good at and he does it and so I think it's it's interesting to see a character who berates himself to you know even but at the same time who we see as this omniscient kind of audience of going you're so much more. I mean, we become kind of the the Adrian character as an audience. We go, <laughs> you're more than who you think you are. And I think that resonates with me is that there are times when I see myself on like a, you know, a two foot perimeter, you know, I see myself kind of in this little two foot area and I don't see myself from a 30,000 foot. I don't see myself in terms of how I impact the world and um, how I impact the people around me. I tend to kind of rest my successes and failures on based on what I'm feeling in that moment. And I think that's kind of what resonates with me when I watch this movie is I think that's what Rocky battles with is he thinks he's limited, but he's really not. He's got so much that he's already doing for other people. Right. I mean, this is the underdog story. When, when Mm -hmm. somebody says name an underdog, I I be willing to bet 75 to 90% of people are going to say Rocky just because this is a story about a man who, who never had a shot who had passed his opportunities for a shot and he's suddenly given a shot mm-hmm. and makes it, you know, yeah. he, he, he goes the distance. That's what this movie is about. It's about going the distance and proving right. that no matter what people say about you, no matter what you think about you, none of that matters. It's just about going the distance and proving mm-hmm. something to not only to others, but to yourself. 
And I mean, we'll talk about that more in depth in a little bit, I'm sure. But this is the underdog story. And, you Mm -hmm. know, everybody loves an underdog. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's also a great love story. I I think, you know, you think Rocky, you think punching people in the face. But watching this movie in particular, you see this wonderful love story develop Mm -hmm. between Adrian and Rocky. And they're both there's there's talk in this movie about filling gaps. And these two characters really do fill the gaps for each other and you see those gaps in in themselves and the parts of their life that are that are lacking and you see how these characters come together and Mm -hmm. form their relationship and build that relationship and it really becomes something outstanding by the end of the film oh gosh yeah and it makes the the line at the end you know yo adrian you know when he's yelling i mean it makes that so much more impactful because if we look at her progression the character of adrian on her own progressing throughout the 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 Rocky franchise, we see her get more assertive. We see her get more confident. And I love the moment in Rocky three where he's just lost that beach race with Apollo. And she goes, what's the, you know, what's the truth, man? You know, dang it or whatever. In that moment, I saw Adrian become like the strong, I saw her personify who she had been the previous two movies. And there are moments in this film where she does that. She does it, in different ways. She does it with Polly. She does it in her own way with, with Rocky. But I think you're exactly right. This love story comes from two people. I think there was a, there was a, there was a great line. I think when they were, um, well, first of all, Adrian's the only one who makes him smile. Like I don't see him ever smile except when he's talking to her or talking about her. He cracks the most terrible jokes around her, <laughs> you, know, he, you know, just walking, he goes into the pet store every morning and night and always tells a really bad joke. And, you know, at one point they're on the, the they're on a date, they're on their date and they come home, they're, they're, they're walking to his house and he says, you know, I'm dumb and you're shy. I mean, that makes us a pretty, I get, you know, we make a, a really good couple, but there's some truth to that, you know, because, you know, you've got these two quirky people that uh, it's a great line to fill in gaps and they do that. And, uh, you know, it, it came out of left field, you know, when you, when you watch this, you don't expect that you see the underdog story, you don't expect a love story to come out and to have that kind of an impact. Yeah. They're, they're two people who nobody ever paid any attention to. They find each other and they discover that someone can care about them. And that's what makes that love story in particular. So, so endearing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any particular scenes real quick before we talk about characters a little bit more? Man, there are, there are a ton. I could talk all night about <laughs> about the things, but I love the opening sequence, and particularly, you know, he's you know opens up with him fighting, but the moment that he's sitting in the locker room <laughs> smoking a cigarette, which is hilarious, to the moment that he gets home, he doesn't say almost really anything. In fact, he, I think he maybe he sings a little bit with his brother, you know, with that little you know the the alley right. band or whatever. Yeah, he, he you you guys get better every year. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It takes a drink of the wine or whatever. But we get so, we we learn so much about who he is without him actually saying anything. We see his apartment. We see, you know, who he lives with. He has turtles and and a fish. Um, But there's, you know, we we see that he's alone. You know, he's he's a loner. There's there's no fanfare. Um, There's no manager. You know, we don't see a, a manager telling him, you know, great fight. It's just him sitting in a locker room by himself. We, kind of recognize that fighting is just a job to him. You know, it's like, it's what I do at night. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a bouncer or not bouncer, but I'm a thumb breaker during the day. And he's not even really that. <laughs> no, but I love the ending of that whole sequence where he, he finishes that whole night by just putting ice on his head and you just see him kind of just go another day. <laughs> right. But we, but we get so much about him without any kind of dialogue, without any kind of monologue. And you know, that's, that's hard to do. That's really tough to do as a as a director and as a writer because you want to fill in that stuff with music or with dialogue or with something. The director, you know, he trusts the audience to kind of, you know, get those clues from 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 all those different things. Yeah, in those first couple moments of the movie, the first couple minutes, you really see that this story is something special because they show so much and don't tell you, mm-hmm. and that's what you want in a film. You don't want to be told everything. You want the the director and the writer to put some faith in you and realize, you know, my audience isn't stupid. I'm not filling a crowd of 
idiots. Um, these people are smart, they're informed, and they're going to be entertained, but they're also going to to maybe learn something or to 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 maybe be analytical sometimes. Yes, this is a fighting movie, but this movie is about so much more than fighting. Yeah. I think one of my other scenes that I love the most uh, or, or love, really, really enjoy is the um, the first run sequence, the first where he's he's accepted the the bout and, you know, the the four four a.m. Again, again, nobody's saying anything with the exception of the radio. It's four a.m. You hear on the radio that it's 23 degrees outside. He's shivering. He goes and drinks like six you know raw eggs. Right. And then. It's just him in the streets, running through the streets of Philadelphia early in the morning. Bill Conti's music is is just kind of tinkering in the background, but there's there's no fanfare. Again, it's it's really just about him and about his journey, and and it ends with him going up those iconic steps. They weren't iconic, you know, at that point, but he's struggling. We see him getting those you know those side stitches and him breathing heavy, and I I just love that because to me that says this is the underdog. This is what personifies the underdog is someone who is just, he's just doing anything, what only what he knows how to do. And he's doing it the best he can. Right. And you also see there, there's maybe some truth to the fact that Mickey's always saying that he's just a bum and you only fight bums. Um, because at this point he, he had a fight two days ago, but he's struggling running up some stairs. He's not in the best shape of his life because he wasn't really having to be in the best shape of his life. And so this is finally giving him an opportunity to both to prove himself uh, to others, but also to really challenge himself and to prove himself to himself. That's for sure. I wrote down just a, a couple quick scenes. The first one is one that you sort of alluded to earlier where Adrian finally stands up to Polly and says, you know, I take care of you. I, I, cook i clean i do the laundry and i don't owe you nothing i am not a loser and yeah it's just like wow what a what a powerful scene where this this person who we've seen hiding behind glasses and a beanie at first and then building that relationship with rocky and growing comfortable in that relationship with rocky and still not being treated the best by her brother and mm -hmm. she she finally gains the strength and the 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 confidence to stand up to her brother and say, I am not this person that you have always told me I am. Mm -hmm. And that it's just such a powerful scene. For sure, man. And I like, this is where her relationship with, with Rocky just is it shines is <laughs> she goes back to the room and you know, the first time that she runs back to the room was Thanksgiving and she was timid and she, you know, she had her big hoodie or her little toboggan on and everything. And I love that when he he opens the door and she looks at him, she goes, you want a roommate? And he goes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's, <laughs> it says so much about their relationship and how, how much they trust each other and how much they care for each other and how much they lean on each other because he needs her to build him up and to remind him that he's not a bum. And she needs him to tell her that she's not a loser. And that she's not, that she's pretty, you know, that she's not this thing that, that Polly says she is. Definitely. And I just want to real quick also highlight the the fight sequence. I mean, that's always a highlight of these Rocky movies. No matter the the content of the rest of the movie, there's always a great fight at the end. And I after, <laughs> after uh, I was watching some of the credits last night roll by, and I learned that Sylvester Stallone actually choreographed the boxing. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that stuck for all five or seven movies now um he probably didn't do the creed stuff or the rocky balboa stuff but I, i'm just impressed because i've never felt that the rocky fight seemed inauthentic there's just so much content in this one because we walk into the fight and nobody's putting any faith in rocky apollo treats it like a show and he's mm -hmm. showing off and there's this moment where L rocky lands the first punch and apollo's just floored and Everybody, the, the, the stadium explodes. It's wow. You you, you get Rocky's yeah. sort of slow response and the strength in contrast to Apollo's uh, speed. And there's moments where he's almost out, but he stands back up. The crowd is chanting his name at an event that was meant to promote Apollo. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he, he's still standing when the bell rings. He, he went the distance. And all he cares yeah. about when the fight is over is where Adrian is. And if that's not what this movie is about, then I don't know what is. 
That's <laughs> you're, you're you're exactly right uh, when it comes to the fight sequences. And I remember reading about the Rocky Balboa fight sequence. He wanted it to look as if it were in modern times. Like he wanted it to look like it was an HD pay-per-view match. And I thought that was great because uh-huh. he wanted to create some authenticity to it. And yeah, you know, I don't know if he wanted that for this film or if he just wanted it to look very, you know, theatrical and very intense. But I think for both of those, for both this one and Rocky Balboa, those fight sequences were probably are probably my favorites because of the stakes, you know. Um, right. Rocky Four being, you know, a great <laughs> kind of nostalgic, like, yeah, beat the Russians, you know. America. And, but America, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then you have, you know, these two again that are almost parallel. Rocky saying, can I do this? He's questioning himself in both of these instances. And I think that the way in which they're choreographed, the way in which they're filmed is appropriate for each one of them. Definitely. Well, let's go ahead and move on to characters and talk just a little bit more about Rocky specifically. We, we've sort of said a lot about him, uh, at least what I have written down. But what I like about Rocky, he's just a likable and he's a genuinely good guy. Mm-hmm. Despite what he does for a living, working for Gyatso, he, he doesn't want to break anybody's thumbs. He He's just trying to make a living. And even if it means he gets in trouble with his boss, he, he doesn't want to injure anybody to get money. He And he he helps little little Marie, who we see again in Rocky Balboa. He helps little Marie um, by trying <laughs> to give you, her advice. Creepo. Right, right. He he tries to give her advice, and he's just a good guy. And mm-hmm. it's hard to not sympathize with him. Well, he's he's a redeemer. I think he's a he's a redeemer uh, character, not one who you know he's redeemed obviously because he he went the distance. But I think he redeems other people. Like there's a great scene. It's just after. Adrian has her just phenomenal yelling triumph with with Polly. I don't know how many days later, maybe it's a day or two later, but Rocky's in his last kind of, you know, practice session or whatever, training session, and he's going over to take a shower and Polly comes up to him and he says, and of course, again, this is the scene right after this like blow up. He tells Polly uh, or Polly says, hey, you know, can I make some money off your name? And he goes, what do you mean? He's like, you know, like advertising. He goes, what do you know about advertising? And then, <laughs> and, and Polly doesn't say anything. He goes, he goes, you know, if you can make money off my name, you do it. And then, he, and then he goes, can you help me take my gloves off? And I think for me, that, that was a moment where Rocky is saying, <laughs> you're my crazy brother, but I love you. Right. You know? And even, even the scene before where he – you know, right before he goes to Adrian, he says, you know, and she says, you want a roommate? He he grabs Polly and he could have popped him. I mean, he could have just, you know, done whatever. And he just holds him and he just looks at him and he calms him down. And to me, you know, someone who's a fighter and the ability to control that, the ability to look at someone right in the eye and say, look, it's not worth it. <laughs> we need to be bigger than this. We need to be better than this. That says a lot about his character and about how he's not only compassionate, but he's also thinking about uh, the world around him and 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 how he needs to be to the world. And and Paul is a great kind of antithesis to him. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and that and I, that's what I like about Paulie the most is that he's a great kind of opposite to to who Rocky is. Right. One one scene that I really want to highlight for Rocky is at the very beginning of that film. It's actually part of that sequence that you were talking about earlier in the first couple of minutes, where there's not really a whole lot of dialogue. There's this shot, and it's fantastic cinematography where he is staring at his dressing his mirror and we slowly have a a pan towards this photo of a little a little kid and Mm -hmm. there's no cuts or bruises on his face he's wearing this nice little plaid shirt he's dressed Mm -hmm. smartly and i mean we assume and we're correct that's rocky Mm -hmm. and he's just standing there and the camera's focused on him we see his sort of blurred image in the reflection of the mirror but he he just stands and he stares at it and he grabs the photo and he just looks at it. And then the camera continues panning forward and it refocuses on Rocky. And we have this contrast of who Rocky used to be as a kid, this innocent kid. His life was probably a lot better than it was now because he was a kid. He had hope. He had the whole rest of his life ahead of him. And now here he is 30 years old, fighting bums, getting Mm. disrespected by everybody, including his future brother-in-law. And he's he's just thinking to himself you can see him thinking to himself what has become of my life right before he just sort of stares in the mirror he's sitting there practicing a joke for this girl who's paying him no attention at the time and yeah. it it it's a really sort of sad moment 
but it's just fantastic cinematography uh storytelling because mm -hmm. so much is communicated in that, that sequence of focusing on the, the the picture then refocusing on the mirror and seeing that contrast between kid rocky and rocky of today yeah it's a it's a great scene it's a great moment and says so much yes and, and to sort of wrap up at least my my thoughts on rocky himself he's he's got a complete turnaround of his life once he's given the chance mm -hmm. all he needed was a chance all he needed was a shot and all he wants to do is go the distance in both this movie and in Rocky Balboa. It's all about him proving something. It's not mm -hmm. about a fight or trying to get a title. It's about saying, all I want to do is go the distance. Yeah. And I don't want to be just another bum from the neighborhood. He he, mm -hmm. he wants to be so much more. He he goes home from fights and he puts on smooth jazz. What? This is a person <laughs> who doesn't really fit into the stereotype that you would think of a person like him on the surface but yeah. uh there's there's just so much good about rocky and i love that this kind of character is given the chance to uh, blossom and to prove himself yeah his character is a slow burn throughout the series and i think that's a good thing for him because it gives the directors it gives the writers new stories to work with um i would be interested to see if this ever became a like a television series exploring the character of rocky and how he kind of explores it and uh, you know how we see his life kind of blossom in a you know long form storytelling as opposed to like feature films but um obviously we won't get that and that's okay i like what we have but his character i think is surprisingly one that should be a slow burn it doesn't need to be a stereotypical one and, I, and that's what i like about his character is that it's not stereotypical of what we would expect from from who he is is there anything more specifically you want to say about adrian adrian is amazing uh, she <laughs> she has tally shire's mannerisms she plays a great awkward person yes it's, and it's believable because she's what's believable to me is seeing her progression because we we feel what she feels whenever like for instance like the the ice skating scene she's asking honest questions she's like why do you want to fight you know, because I can't sing a dance. Well, hey, you know, and <laughs> there's a there's a scene that even today still bothers me, but I, I I'm understanding of it, and it's the it's the scene in their apartment when they, you know, make out and potentially you know do what do whatever. But I'm watching this, and even even in my most recent viewing, I'm watching this and I'm going, dude, Rocky, I love you, man, but you are you're not being cool right now. I mean, he is like he's putting his hand on the door, and he's like, don't go. But I love what he says. He says, he affirms her. He says, you can take off your hat because you're really pretty. And she goes, don't tease me. He goes, I'm not teasing you. And I right. think in that moment, what we see is her becoming more vulnerable with him. And I think for her, her progression as a, as a character goes from being timid to strong, but it takes the path of vulnerability. Like she has to be vulnerable with him and he has to be vulnerable with her. And so both of their progressions as characters um, are on parallel paths and I think that's why she's such a strong character to me because you know she is his she's his partner but she's also his equal in some ways definitely and that, in that scene in particular in the apartment I think that it's in that moment it's about her realizing that he is being genuine with her mm -hmm. and I, I would like to think that had she not been open to anything in that moment that he would have let her go because mm -hmm. Rocky is a good person um so for me that I, I would understand why that scene would be bothersome, but I, I don't think <laughs> he's, he's pressuring her at all in, in yeah. a, a super negative way, at least it's, it's a tender moment and it's one that you have to trust Rocky as a character to know that he's not doing anything unintentionally. And the thing is, is that set up early on. I mean, even the doc scene where he, he, he refuses the coat from the guy in payment for money he goes, no, you know, it's cold, you know? And, you know, so he's showing that mercy and he lets him off the hook and he goes, I ain't emotionally involved. But I think, you know, when you have those callbacks, it helps me to understand that what he's doing is not, he's not just trying to get nookie or anything like that. He's, he's trying to, he, he cares deeply about this girl that he's seen every morning and every night uh, at the pet store and offers to walk her home and, you know, tells her bad jokes. And, you know, so, so we get that early on. It's just, Man, it's just <laughs> right. I, I, I know going, what you're saying. I'm going wait. Yeah, come yeah. on now. 
she's she's opening herself up to the first person who's paid her any attention. Yeah, and to me, you know, in today's in today's world, that seems like gosh, that's a no no. Don't do that. You know, that's stranger danger to <laughs> <Right>. me. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I completely get it and 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 respect it and understand it. Now, what about Apollo? We don't get a lot of him in this movie, but no, we we don't. But what we get is Muhammad Ali. We get an entertainer, right? We get we get this. One of my favorite moments with him is when he finds out that the original fighter can't make it because he has a busted arm or something, or he's got an injury. And he goes, "Here's what you're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna give an unknown a title or a title shot." And he goes to this whole spiel and like he he almost like he crafts this entire message off the top of his head of like here's what we're gonna you know it's gonna be like this and we're gonna you know we're gonna do this and do that I, I can't remember the dialogue particularly and at the end his the promoter whoever says I like it Apollo it's very American and he goes no it's very smart and what he's saying <laughs> is I'm very smart and you couple that with a couple of scenes later when he finds Rocky's name in that <laughs> encyclopedia, boxing, whatever book. And he says, it's the name, man. It's the name. This country was founded by an Italian. Well, what better way to get, get it on with one of his descendants? And he, I don't know if he does this intentionally, but his trainer says, man, it's a southpaw. I don't want you fighting him. And he, he just kind of brushes off this. No, 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 I'll beat him in three. He just kind of says that like, like half-heartedly. I'll beat him in three. Right. He, you know, he is big headed and he's overconfident. Exactly. He's concerned more about the image of the thing and not about the fight itself. And to me, that showed his uh, his his Achilles heel was his own ego. Mm-hmm. And and it paid itself off you know, later in the film. But he owned that role as an entertainer all the way up to the moment when we see him come out as George Washington as in his, in, then his Uncle Sam. Um, so even without saying a lot. Uh, we get a lot of character development from him. Right. We never see Apollo training in this movie. We see Rocky breaking his butt to get in shape to to prove himself. And Apollo is just sitting by the wayside, having a drink, making mm-hmm. plans, watching TV, all this all right. this stuff that is completely unrelated to preparing himself for a fight. Like a fight. Somebody is going to be punching you and he's just sitting around not worried about it. And one of my favorite moments is the lead up to the fight as they're entering the, the, the ring and you have the announcers at the side of the ring saying, Oh, Rocky doesn't stand a chance, blah, blah, blah. They're, they, they are very concerned about Rocky's ability to stand a chance against Apollo. And then when he comes in, they don't say anything about how he looks, what kind of shape he's in. It's all about, Oh, look at the, look at the great show he's putting on. What, exactly. how, what a great guy. And everybody is completely unconcerned with Rocky. I mean, He's nobody. Nobody's heard of him. His name is completely unknown to everybody. He isn't going to stand a chance. And then that's when that first punch that Rocky lands completely, li- literally floors Apollo. Mm-hmm. And it, it it just is a big testament to Apollo. And even towards the end of the fight, he said, ain't going to be no rematch. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he's all concerned about the image of the thing. He doesn't want to go toe-to-toe with this guy who's gone toe-to-toe with him uh, yeah. far far more than he expected. Yeah. And I think one of the great lines after that was at the end of that first round where his his manager or his uh, trainer goes, he, he, he doesn't think this is a dang show. He thinks it's a dang fight. So let's finish him and get it over. <laughs> right. I mean, for the first time we see that, you know, Apollo's, you know, entourage and his whole crew, I mean, they're they're scared. You know, this is a this is the real deal. And uh and of course that theme is kind of articulated again in Rocky Three where Rocky's kind of lost his edge, and so he has to get it back at the eye of the tiger. And I think that's kind of what, you know, I think it feels a little recycled in Rocky Three because that same kind of thing is going on with Apollo here. But it's still a strong theme. It's one that I think pa- Apollo says, okay, I'm going to have to give my best. And I think that's what makes Rocky feel better about going the distance is that in Rocky Two, he, he asks Apollo in the hospital, he says, did you give me your best? And he says, yeah, I did. I mean, I think that's what validated Rocky's thing is that Apollo didn't hold back. And and we see that in this last, in this fight sequence. Definitely. Now, are there any other characters you want to talk more in depth about? No, I I mean, I think Paul is the only other one that I think is um, kind of a standout for me. Again, I think, but I've already said, you know, he is, he is Rocky sort of opposite, but 
at the same time, I think he's he could be such a a guru at times, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he gets. Yeah, I confess this. You know, I'm going to Rocky Balboa. I love the scene in in that movie where he he basically calls Rocky out and says, "Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do this?" And he gets Rocky to confess on, you know, why you know why he wants to do this about the stuff in the basement. And I love that that Polly is as goofy as he is, as selfish as he is. He's loyal. He's like that loyal pet for for Rocky, that loyal dog that you know he's he's not gonna leave leave Rocky's side. And I right. love that about him. Yeah, I think most of Polly's growth as a character comes in the later films. But you're right. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he does show his loyalty despite the fights that they have, despite his drunkenness, despite just generally, honestly, not being a good person. Polly stays by uh, Adrian's side, stays by Rocky's side, and always comes back knowing that the people they they love him and that they're going to continue to support him uh the best that they can and he's going to reciprocate because he is loyal i i didn't really have a whole lot to say about polly outside of that but because he he's he's not a great person here he he really just helps to build adrian and rocky up a little bit more and to mm-hmm. allow them to go on their journeys in this movie and he gets to go on his later He's got probably some of the best lines too, like his lungs you punch out. He's <laughs> just little, he's half drunk, half drunk lines that he says here and there. You punch him that hard, we're going to be charged for murder. You put him in the way for murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. And uh, it should be said that Burgess Meredith as Mickey is also great. I mean, yes. there's there's not a whole lot for him to grow here either. You, you sort of see him, his hubris. He he comes down from his pride and. We see that he has what he has seen in Rocky and why he has sort of ignored him over these years because he has talent and he sort of squandered it. And on the other side of the coin, Rocky has asked for help and hasn't received it. And so we sort of see Mickey, okay, I I realize what I've done. And he just walks out um, after Rocky has sort of turned him down. And Rocky has his sort of yelling match with the the back of the door. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, they, they set aside their disagreements or whatever, and they come together and they, they make a great partnership. Yeah. I think that you mentioned um, at the beginning about this movie being sort of a father son experience for you. And I think that Mick is that father figure for, for Rocky in a lot of ways. You know, he says, (laughs) you know, he says you have heart, but you fight like an ape. And then (laughs) he's, you know, that scene in the apartment. So, so wonderful because he tries to beat around the bush. And then by the end of that scene, before Rocky goes on his little rant, he says, I want to be a manager. I want to be a man. You need a manager. You know, I want to do this for you. And, you know, at first you're thinking Mickey just wants in on the action. You know, he wants to be famous. And and there might be some of that to that. I mean, for sure, because, you know, for the previous four or five minutes, he's talked about his prime and how he, you know, he doesn't have that anymore. But I'd also like to believe that he goes, he, he genuinely wants Rocky to, gain this knowledge that he has and and to to pour himself in. I think he really wants to leave a legacy with someone and Rocky's the way to do that. Whether that's selfish or not, I think is, you know, up for debate. But I think at the end of the day, he does genuinely care about Rocky. And I think he's you know, when he when he berates him when he says, You you had you know, he says, you know, I want to know why you've been sticking it to me for eight years. And he goes, Because, you know, you had the potential to do everything, all this stuff, but you decided to be a cheap thumbbreaker and that's a that's a dad to me that's a dad dad response of him saying you could have you could have been something wonderful and you wasted it on on the cheap and and i think that's what made that moment with him in the apartment and that resolution so much more uh enjoyable is that they both began to understand each other and where they were coming from right they Rocky hints toward this sort of at least decade long relationship that these two characters have had. He says, where were you 10 years ago, Mickey? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's definitely some truth to that father son sort of interaction because I mean, where's Rocky's parents in this movie? We don't, we don't see anything from them. We don't hear anything from them in this whole franchise that I remember. I, I, I don't think we see anything from Rocky's parents. And so in these first couple of films, while we have Mickey, he is very much a father figure and so when when Rocky yells at the back of the door after Mickey has left, after he's sort of turned him away because you you weren't there then, why why are you here now when I have this shot? And 
it's it's very much a I've been sent to my room and I'm mm-hmm. angry at my parents, but in the end, I still love them and I'm going to seek their advice. And that's yeah. what he does. And so yeah. I, I think that's a really good point to be made that it, it's very much a father son relationship, somebody with wisdom imparting that knowledge onto somebody who doesn't necessarily have it. Yep, for sure. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about the music just a little bit. Um, what, you, you, what do you have to say about Bill Conti's score for this movie? <sighs> How much time do you have, Chad? Because <laughs> <laughs> this to me was the thing that made Rocky for me. And I'm not even talking about the main theme. Because when we think about Rocky, we think dun 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 and that's what the movie starts with. You know, we see the scrolling letters and Bill Conti, he he, he is he uses this this theme, this piano-driven horn, you know, French horn-driven theme these light, just kind of somber tones or whatever you want to call it in certain moments that call attention to, I think what is a big theme in this movie. And that's the theme of vulnerability. Uh, The first time we hear music, that's not that is the moment when, uh, you know, he is, uh, Rocky's left. (laughs) Um, what's his, what's his boss's name? Greek, uh, Gatso. Gatso, thank you. Gatso's tell you know, he, he berates him, basically. He says, Do what I tell you, you make me look bad. And he he's you know, and Gatso leaves him and he walks away. And we hear that first instance of that dun dun dun. You know, there's just real and then every every time we hear something like that, what I noticed was that it's a point where Rocky's either being left alone or where he is pondering something incredibly emotional or incredibly vulnerable about himself it's just like the thanksgiving moment there or it's it's just after what is it i think it's just after he sees himself on tv and he's like polly you know polly's like you know doesn't that bother he's no it doesn't bother me and he goes he's leaving and he tells adrian you remember that how i said that stuff didn't bother me well it does and it's again the music comes in and i just think that bill conti he works that moment he works those moments in to kind of show us this is a moment for for Rocky to be incredibly vulnerable with himself, with Adrian, with uh, with Mick. That scene after he yells at the door, that same theme comes in as he's shaking Mick's hand, and we don't even hear what they're saying, but we see this resolution happen. And I think that Bill Conti does that intentionally, and I love that. And I love that he doesn't bring in that fanfare until it's necessary until it's that big, you know, confident running and confident training montage or whatever near the end of the film. But I just think his, his music isn't overbearing at all. It's used sparingly and it's used to tell the big story. And, and I love that. Right. I think the music here is definitely a reflection of Rocky, the character, because we, we get more of the tender than the loud or the bombastic mm-hmm. or the, the forceful. I mean, everybody remembers gonna fly now. And you know, that is the prominent music we hear here, but the way it's presented more often than not is, as you said, the, the sort of tender piano, it, it isolates that, that sort of main instrumental theme from gonna fly now, but plays it one note at a time on a piano. And it, mm-hmm. it's just so much more touching. And it's, it, again, it's about the journey. It's about Rocky, sort of slowly convincing himself, this is something I can do. This is something I can do. And it's not until he has fully gained that confidence and fully gone the distance that we hear the full gonna fly now big theme and like the strong training montage. There's a, an earlier training montage where he goes on that run that we were talking about. It's a track called Philadelphia Morning and it starts with like a French horn solo and it's really somber mm-hmm. and so, not lazy, but it, it's uh, really sort of intentional without being energetic it's it's paced is what it yes, is it's just exactly it's, it's very and it because it makes you focus on him and the the you know i felt cold with him like i felt freezing cold i felt like that was 23 degrees when he was shivering in the bed and and as he was you know running through the empty streets of philadelphia you know you felt isolated with him and i think that's what the the pulled back theme does is it brings this sense of isolation that, that Rocky carries with him. Even when he's with Adrian, like those points of vulnerability, I mean, he's still dealing with it himself. He, (laughs) thank goodness he has Adrian to rely on, but he's still, I mean, he's still the one that goes to the, 
the uh, the the arena the night before and looks around, it's still just him. And I and I think the music really accents that that sense of isolation with him. Right. The big parts that everybody's familiar with come from those moments when he's at his best, and those moments when he's not at his best or when he's not feeling like this extreme energy or elation, even mm-hmm. we, we get that tenderness and that's who Rocky is. He's a tender mm-hmm. character. Um, and not just because he's being pulverized all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and until the big fight, his nose had never been broken. So he's exactly, know, he's, he's, he's still tender up there until, until that first round. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going the distance has always been my favorite track of the score. Um, it's like the, the turning point of the fight. It's when everybody realizes that, wow, this Rocky guy, he stands a chance. And that's yeah. when that track kicks in. It's the bum, 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 bum. It's so good. It really is. And I, I think even even uh, equally as much as that is the the uh, the very end. You know, oh, yes. Just, yeah, the the final that, bell, I believe that yeah, track is called. That, yeah. I, I love that because it sings elation. Like you're almost like going, like you're just breathing out with Rocky. Like, oh my gosh, my nose is busted too. My eyes cut and I can't do this. And I just want Adrian too. You know, it's just like I feel I feel that elation with him because of that music. Definitely. And let, let's go ahead and use that sort of as a transition into the the relevant section because the the ultimate takeaway for me from this movie, it's all about the journey rather than the destination. You know, if, if, if you ask, I think, just random people in the street who won the fight in Rocky 1, most people are going to say Rocky, but that's not the case because it's not important whether he wins or loses here. What's important mm-hmm. is that he stands a chance. He's still standing when the bell rings. And when the bell, is, when the, the bell has rung and the fight is over, he doesn't care. He doesn't care what the judges have to say. He doesn't care what they, who, who they say won. He cares where his girlfriend is. And they say, I love you for the first time. And that's it. That, that's what the movie's about. It's about the process of getting to that point. And I would say because of that reason, this movie is ultimately more of a love story than anything else. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think that the love story is a huge, huge part of it. I think for me, it's probably along with that, uh, in that same vein, the the idea that a person becomes stronger when he opens up to someone else. And I think for Rocky, he did that on multiple levels. I think he opened up, obviously, to Adrian and became more vulnerable with her and her to him. I think there was the moments with Mickey where he opened up and became more vulnerable with him and, and, and Mickey to him as well. But also, I think that Rocky, when he said, you know, when, when Apollo says, I ain't going to be in a rematch, and he said, don't want one, I think in that moment, I think he became very real with himself and said, just like you, just like you said, I did it. I'm finished. It's done. I don't have anything else to prove. And to me, I think that's what could have just ended this whole franchise. And I've been completely fine with it. You know, I like what I got with two, three, four and, and Balboa, but I think that the true journey that he was on was made complete in this movie um, definitely echoed other words, but I, I think that all of that exploration and all the vulnerability that he had and the way in which he became stronger because of the people that he was around and because of his ability to open up to other people and believe in himself and see himself from 30,000 feet. I think that's what made this story a complete one. Uh, it didn't need to be continued. It was fine that it did, but it's a great standalone feature film because it tells that story completely. I completely agree. And, you know, I think another great message from this movie is the idea of standing up for both yourself and for others when you or they are told that you can't do something. Everybody could be somebody. And you are what you act like. If you act like a winner, you're going to be a winner. If you act like a bum, you're going to be a bum. And, I mean, Rocky warns Marie of acting like something else. And, I mean, it's it's all over this movie. Basically, sort of dress for the job you want rather than the job you have, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a, a yeah. semi-applicable saying here. I think that sort of fits in with that. Just standing up for yourself and for others. And no matter what, put some confidence in yourself and stand up for yourself, even if nobody else will. Yeah. I think if I had to take away one thing, it would be, in the immortal words of Apollo, be a thinker. 
not a stinker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of Apollo, I think there's definitely some uh, some dangers of cockiness in this movie. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and also dressing too patriotic. I think there is a, there's a limit that you can be too patriotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's echoed in Rocky Four. Spoilers, I guess. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> any anything? Any other takeaways, Patrick? Man, I just it's just a great film. I I, I enjoyed rewatching it, and um, I just think it's we talk on feeling film about uh, every once in a while about the rewatchability factor of a, of a movie and and how it increases value. And Rocky is one of those movies that, as a standalone, it's just great to watch on a yearly basis i typically you know just because out of habit i'll watch it in the spring you know around finals week because that's when i first got exposed <laughs> to like really appreciating it but um i was glad to be able to break my tradition a little bit and uh and and watch it for uh, for this for this show yeah uh, and this was actually my first time watching rocky and a few years, I would say it's it's been a while, and I now I've watched it twice in the past month, and I mean I loved it both times. I I, I don't think I could get tired of it. I think I could continue watching this, and uh, with the the big fight between Rocky and Apollo taking place on New Year's Day, uh, I I thought I mean what better a time than to release this episode the week of the turn of the new year? That's exactly right, man. It's a perfect timing. Yeah, and I mean it's an ultimate feel good film. It really is. I don't think I could walk away from this movie feeling sad. You walk away from this film pumping your fist in the air, pumped for Rocky, pumped for Adrian because they did it. And I think that's a great thing. I agree. And I think I'll just say this. I think one thing that stands out to me is I think that every scene, I remember at least most of the scenes early on seemed to have like one line that was just hilariously just funny, just some kind of, you know, I don't know what it was, but like, you know, like first scene with Adrian, how's the turtle food this week? You know, and then, you know, I ain't emotionally involved and, uh, you know, just all these different like lines by either Rocky or, or Polly or, or whatever. It's just, it's just good dialogue. And, and I think it breaks up some of the tension of what this movie could potentially have uh, turned into as like a long drama with, with no, uh, no funny at all. And I think it had some great little comedic moments. Yeah, you definitely sense a lot of Stallone in the script, and I, I think it makes it for the better. What better? I, I think it's awesome that the guy who wrote the script got to play the character, and I, that, that yeah. really benefits the film, I think, because mm-hmm. he knows Rocky. He does. I mean, he is, and I think I don't know if I remember reading about this or um, or seeing it that this is the evolution of Sylvester Stallone, you know, and he, I think he sort of kind of went backtracked a little bit with the Expendables, but I think at one point he said that. Rocky and Rambo were going to be his final movies. I think maybe he meant that they were going to in there, you know, Rocky Balboa and the last Rambo were going to be the final in that franchise. But I think both, uh, I, I don't know much about Rambo, but I know, you know, it seems like Rocky is basically the evolution of the, of the actor in, in character form. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever care for another Stallone character like I do about Rocky, but I, I'm, I'm glad he exists. I'm glad we have multiple movies and that, Ultimately, we have sort of ended on a high note in Rocky's story at this point in time. Yep. Anything else? Nope. I think I've, I could go, I could say a lot more, but we don't have five hours. So I'm going <laughs> to no, leave no. it at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with that, that is the end of the official 22nd episode of Cinescope. Thank you so much for uh, being patient with me, Patrick, and making this work. It is now 1227 a.m. where I am living. And I, I think you're in the same time zone. So we, yeah. we've, pulled in a, a late night but i think it was worth it absolutely man i'm so glad that we were able to to connect and, and talk about this film and, uh, and and get it going and time for the for the new year definitely um now contact for the show you can find it on facebook.com slash cinescope podcast and at cinescope pod on twitter again real quick go to itunes rate review subscribe it's a big help and remember there's also the email address the cinescope podcast at gmail.com so if you have any feedback or ideas or if you're interested in co-hosting if you have a movie that you love and think you could talk about it for a little while let me know patrick what about you where can we find you online well usually you can find me at shoeless patch on twitter s-h-o-e-l-e-s-s-p-a-t-c-h i'm also at facebook.com slash shoeless patch or you can find me at my website thisispatch.com. Uh, as I mentioned before, I co-host the Feelin' Film 
podcast, and you can find out more about us at feelinfilm.com. And if you if you like Cinescope, if you like our approach to movies, you will definitely like Feel and Film. And they cover more recent releases and some older releases. But since we don't cover the recent releases here on Cinescope, they're a great resource to sort of look at films from a more positive light as they come out. Now, the best place to find me is on Twitter at Chadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. And on Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. And a reminder, all of the show notes, all the contact information can be found at the website at thecinescopepodcast.com. And also at the website, you'll find all of our past episodes, um, including our two Christmas episodes, which I was really happy with and really proud of. And the last one, episode 21, which was a movie commentary for my favorite Christmas movie and a movie that I know, Patrick, you care a lot about, The Polar Express. Yes. I would love, while it's still sort of in season, everybody, if you went back one episode and checked out that commentary, pop in the movie, uh, I give instructions on how to sync it up in the podcast episode. It's my first time doing a commentary, and if if you could listen, if you could give me some feedback, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, that's okay. I put a lot of effort into it, and I would just love to hear what everybody thinks. So that's all for this week. Thank you once again, Patrick, for coming on the show and talking this movie with you. It's been awesome talking with you about Rocky. I've enjoyed it, man. Thanks for having me on. And thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 22. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 23. Have fun and celebrate movies.